Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Laputa Castle in the Sky. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that the plot will be spoiled for you. Enjoy it. Hello. Hey. There's a cat. There is. She decided to come sit on my lap literally about 30 seconds ago. Aww, oh, she might be getting nice. off. And she's gone. Bye, cat. Bye-bye. She's going to be a nuisance, I can already tell. Yeah. Has she been freaked out by the fact that you guys have been home? No. So, um, so yeah, so I've been working from home for several days now. Um, she is... I think slightly put out the time at home during her quiet time. Um, so, uh, so she spends most of the morning upstairs away from me and then in the afternoon comes down and, um, and basically is a, a slight nuisance today. She was deciding to, to get in front of my computer. I've, yeah, I've heard that people who own dogs, especially uh, like the dogs are being really freaked out in a good way that they're there and just like wanting all their attention all the time. So anyone who owns a dog is having a hard time working from home. See, the cat is currently trying to eat a piece of paper on the desk because she is an idiot. What is on that piece of paper? There is literally, it's just a, a letter. Come on, get away. Get away. A letter informing you of... The brilliance of the film The Bridges of Madison County. It is. It is. That's exactly what it is. Haven't talked about that one in a while, have we? We have not. We have not. But, you know, as everyone's working from home, we've got plenty of time to catch up on those kind of films. So Definitely. But I do have a question for you. Yeah? Can you tell me why we build castles in the sky? Uh, those castles don't... way up high? <laughs> I don't know. Tell me why ain't nothing better castle in the sky see i i love the song i should have done i love the original cheesy uh dance song there's something special about those 90s dance tracks isn't there yeah yeah like um what's that one sandstorm was that a 90s track that was a 90s track yeah the the meme worthy sandstorm by jerude by darude (laughs) man i i i I 1999 close i i low-key love like 90s dance music yeah, something... and then you got "Blue" by Eiffel sixty five, <laughs> which there's you know the conspiracy theory about that song, right? What what is the conspiracy theory? That it's he's actually saying in Aberdeen I will die, and then he committed suicide in Aberdeen, except he didn't. <laughs> of course he didn't. There's also <laughs> "I'm blue." If I was green, I would die. As the other one that did the rounds. <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely a conspiracy. Yeah. Eiffel 65 Blue Conspiracy. Um, Let's see. There's a conspiracy about this song. This is from a a very legit site called The Tech Game. I've never been on this site before. Um, There is a conspiracy about this song. Everyone knows the lead singer and writer of this song committed suicide in a place called Al-Boudin. That's not even a place. (laughs) Al-Boudin, shortly after the release of this song. Some say that this song was his suicide note. A car crash involving a family member happened before this song, hence the blue car wreck and the fallouts with his girlfriend. I have a girlfriend. She is so blue. And instead of singing I'm blue, da-ba-dee-da-ba-die, it may actually by the I'm blue in Abludeen, I will die. I, I don't think I've ever heard as much nonsense in my life. <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be a very, very strange, um, very strange forum. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of worse songs that made it to number one that weren't pure novelty. Like, why? Why would you bother? <laughs> novelty hits only. That's all. Like, that's all we want. Because obviously, there's some terrible number one singles that are novelty. Like, I'm, I'm sure the Mr. Blobby song got to got to number. Yeah, one. I hate that. That's not cool. <laughs> or did, did Bob the Builder get to number one? I'm sure Bob the Builder got to number one. Big fish, little fish, cardboard box. 
but yeah, in terms of legitimate music, because Blue is a legitimate song. It's by a dance band, but it is terrible. Eiffel sixty five. Yeah. The um back from the time when you could make a, a a passable band name by choosing any word and then any number and it would be fine. Like Blink one eight two or some forty one. Or true. Death from Above nineteen seventy nine. Thirty six you know. crazy fists. Thirty six crazy fists. I legit think that's a great name, even though it's really stupid. I, I really love that band <laughs> name. Um I used to like them as well, actually. I don't know if yeah. they're still going. I saw them open for Funeral for a Friend once. And and what was the name of the Gibraltar heavy metal band? Il Nino. No, no. Is that them? No, they... Oh, no, um, Breed 77. Breed 77, yeah. yeah. Um, I think a guy I was at school with like was quite friendly with them. Like, I actually knew them as people and said they were very nice. Oh, okay, that's cool. But yeah, Il Nino. Not <laughs> <laughs> those guys. <laughs> Uh, although apparently it's not pronounced breed 77 it's pronounced breed 77 okay fair enough i'm sure that makes loads of difference Uh, it clearly does but yeah there there was no music of of breed 77 in castle in the sky though no sadly not a film which came out before we were even born yeah that's how old this movie is yeah but it doesn't feel old does it no no it's it's um it does have that real eighties eighties anime animation feel to it, but I think that's a that's a great thing anyway. You know? Yeah. Um But I honestly think you could make this film now or release this film now and no one would be like, Oh, this looks like some old shit. No, no, it, it's 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 a it's a beautiful movie. Really good. And what's amazing is if you look at this and you look at like really recent Studio Ghibli films, the animation style is barely any different. And it, it uses more or less the same technology and has the same basic approach. And that just shows you that what they were doing was so great from the outset that it barely needed to be changed. And it's such an amazing thing, really. But, and, but what is interesting is that, you know, I do think that there's similarities, but I think the level of detail here is not quite the same as you compare it to something like House Moving Castle or yeah. Spirited Away. Um, and the level of detail there isn't the same. And what's interesting is that this movie came out two years before the game changer in terms of Japanese animation, um, Akira. Akira, yeah. Uh, which... Canada! Tetsuo! Canada! Tetsuo! Justin Trudeau! <laughs> Justin Trudeau! <laughs> he's got the coronavirus hasn't he justin trudeau does he oh no that was his wife ah so you know if she's got it he's got it i was gonna say if he catches it then he's gonna turn into a giant mutant flesh monster that slowly overwhelms tokyo yeah <laughs> um but but yeah like akira changed animation forever and i don't think it's an overstatement to say that um this year no. money that was pumped into it that sudden awareness of it on the global stage as well because anime was obviously a thing um before then but akira really like brought it to another level um and and it's still one of my favorite movies to this day i remember watching it when i was far too young to be watching it (laughs) Um, just like every other just like every other film and being hypnotized by this strange magical uh, magical movie. Um, it's like how you watched The Bridges of Madison County when you were five. Yeah. And you're like, why is Clint Eastwood crying, mummy? It, it explains so much about my <laughs> psyche now. Yeah. Um, What's a linoleum? <laughs> but, but, but I think that there is still something, um, there's still something wonderful about those pre Akira, um, movies, you know. Um, and I think you can really see those through roads here of, of, of the quality that Studio Ghibli um had then and certainly has now you know um where it's 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 a beautiful film very well told it's got that kind of magical quality to it that very few studios are able to replicate yep for sure i just heard that akira is set in dystopian 2019 i forgot about that yeah it's now time has already passed so it was last year that the big monster overtook tokyo didn't hear about that in the news did we we did not no 
definitely a conspiracy. <laughs> definitely. Maybe someone's done a dance track about it and we didn't even know. Maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but Studio Ghibli, this is the first Studio Ghibli film we've talked about. It is, um, yeah. It's a shame that we got we took us so long to get around yeah. to it because a lot of them are romantic in sort of a low key way, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They've got they've got romance in the same way that some of the more adventurous um, Disney movies have romance, where it's not really you know you know some Disney movies are very heavy on the romance, other ones are a little more light hearted in it. Um, yeah, and it, it's got that kind of feel to it where it's it's not overboard in the romantic element, but you've still got that little. A little hint of romance there. There isn't even a smooch. There, there is no smooch. No. There's like an almost smooch moment, and that's kind of that's enough, isn't it? It carries it. Yeah, yeah. You can tell that there is that romantic interest there. Um, yeah, which is which is nice. And you you feel that there's a connection between them that doesn't need to be about it being a, a genuine like love story. Well, this it's it's an adventure movie of which the the platonic and potential romantic love between the two leads is really central to it, but ultimately it's still about that sense of adventure and that all kind of works really well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is something that happens quite, quite regularly in Studio Ghibli movies, isn't it? Where you've got that, that central relationship, that central dynamic is what propels it either, you know, in studio, uh, in uh, spirited away, you've got the, um, the- no face. <laughs> no face um you've got the sort of growing symbol you got him and then you've got the like spider guy with all the arms and it's really about the romance between them yeah even though it's all left unsaid the romance between a load of pigs yeah um <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you've got um but but you know what i mean like there you've got you've got the two characters which really sort of like tie it together and you've got that that sympathy that allows a human to integrate into the spirit world um equally obviously house moving castle has the same thing um and it's a really good way to to introduce this this sympathetic human element to stories that are otherwise maybe quite too maybe a little bit too fantastical to immediately ground them with their audience yeah for sure which is which is which is a clever way of writing it there's a there's a there's a smart quality to all of studio ghibli's movies um with a few exceptions. That's what's really great about them as well. Is they all feel smart, but they don't feel pretentious in any way. And that's a really um, difficult thing to pull off. You feel like it's genuinely accessible. Anyone could watch and enjoy any of their films, I'm sure. But at the same time, they do feel like they, they do feel like they have some depth to them. And also, they're very, very emotional without feeling ever feeling emotionally manipulative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, whereas I know that I've rambled on plenty of times about emotionally manipulative kids' movies, but I never yeah, feel which you same. hate. Yeah, I. There's a way that you can introduce emotion and depth without it being done in a way that's just deliberately trying to make people cry. Um, yeah. And these movies manage it really well. I mean, like. <laughs> you could never accuse Miyazaki of deliberately making anyone cry. No, no. Well, Grave of the Fireflies. Uh... Yeah, no, that's deliberate. <laughs> it... I've genuinely, I've only watched that film once. It's the only one of the Studio Ghibli films that I've not returned to just because it was so moving and it affected me so much in a way that I don't know if any film ever has, honestly. It made me cry a lot. And it's been a long time. This was like over 10 years ago, more, probably like 12 years ago, maybe even longer than that. I can't even remember. But I just remember that it made me cry and it was extremely sad. The uh, the only movie that's done that for me is uh, the movie that we'll be watching next week. It's <laughs> Airbud Seventh Air, Inning Fetch. Yeah, yeah. Um, or Airbud Spikes Back. <laughs> Terminator Genesis, the only film that's managed <laughs> yeah. to hit me emotionally. No, it's a very powerful, very moving film. Um, that's also a absolute gut punch. Um, so, so what is your favourite Studio Ghibli film? Oh man, that's really really tough. This is definitely up there. But um, there's this, and there's Nausicaa, which is also, um. Also kind of an adventure film, but really strong on the environmental themes, but also 
just a really, really great kind of I am here, I am a heroine, I'm going to save the world, but it's all kind of low-key way. And the the approach to natural beauty in that film is just unbelievable and is really, really good. I still have a real um, place in my heart for Spirited Away, actually, because I think it was the first one that I saw. Because that was, I think, one of the first ones that really reached the UK market in a big way. Is that fair to say? I think that was the real, um, that was the watershed moment for them, really, wasn't it? It's before that yeah. they weren't as well known in this country at all. Um, and that was no. the first one that really brought them to the global stage in that way. Um, and I didn't, I don't think I saw it in the cinema. I think we got hold of the DVD somehow. Um, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is like nothing I've ever seen. It's weird, but good. And the animation is incredible. And I felt like, because. Well, obviously, you, you grew up watching Friday the 13th and all those kind of stuff, films. But while most of us, people who are our age, I sort of in their early 30s, grew up watching Disney films. And then I remember seeing this and thinking that, OK, yeah, it's dumb to say, yeah, Studio Ghibli's like Disney. But it built upon what we had as a paradigm from Disney and said, hey, yeah, we can have that. But we can also do it better in this really, really sort of smarter way. And that is obviously culturally very, very different because it comes from Japan. But as someone having that Western paradigm, it built upon that in just the most amazing way and opened up this new world. And yeah, it was just that as an entry point. I think it's really important to acknowledge that with Spirited Away, even if it's not my favorite Studio Ghibli film. Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree with all of that. Um... Do, you, do you have one? I do. So I also like Nausicaa. Um, interestingly enough, it's not technically Studio Ghibli. It predates um, Studio Ghibli, but it is an amazing movie. And I think it's worth including it in their wider canon. Um, I love me some sort of post-apocalyptic sci-fi stuff. And it's it's nice and weird as well, um, which is great. Um, Ponyo is a low-key fave of mine. I really love Ponyo. Wait, which is the one that's not technically Studio Ghibli? Uh, Nausicaa of the Valley. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was released before the studio's official founding. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also really like Kiki's I delivery. thought you were going to say The Castle of Cagliostro. I, I do actually which really, is really enjoy fun. That. It's a fun but movie. All of the guys have long faces. <laughs> which is exactly. <laughs> the animation is just that little bit not quite there, but it yeah. is still really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Castle of Cali- uh, Cagliostro is really good um, yeah. as well. But yeah, Ponyo is, is a low key favourite of mine. Um, I really like that. I think it's hard to animate water well, and yep. they do it. That sounds like well. a dumb thing to say, but it's true. It's true. It's 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 one of the Look most difficult the things mermaid. you can do. Um, it's one of the most the difficult. Water's got a life of its own. It's one of the most difficult things that you can do, um, and it's also true of video games as well. You can always tell a video game is good if they get water animation right. Um, yeah. Kiki... It's like trying to draw hands. Yes, exactly. Um, Kiki's delivery service because witches are cool yeah um cute cats brilliant uh princess mononoke because giant dogs are cool yeah um, mononoke's up there as well uh, and i really like house moving castle because magic is cool and talking fire is cool is the everything you can think of that's cool it's in a studio ghibli movie somewhere yeah giant cats giant they're dogs in the cat cats uh, dragons they're in the earth sea film that is weird but good it's not good it's very bad <laughs> it's the only one that you'd say is bad yeah i haven't is it I is it bad it is bad it's a piece of shit i've only seen it once because i got the dvd i watched it and then i lent it to rob sherman and he either lost it or gave it to someone that gave it to someone and he denied all knowledge <laughs> fucking bullshit um it's a piece of shit it's a terrible adaptation it looks pretty but that's it um it's their one well i've not seen all of them i haven't seen the last few um so i think the last one i saw was the wind rises i think was the oh last yeah one I, watched. I don't think i've seen any um, since then either the wind rises was great i loved that um i haven't it was getting seen... low-key low-key emotional wasn't it it was yeah. sort of like an old man looking back at his life emotion but which is a very different tonally and it had less of that sense of adventure and was much more reflective but I still loved it. Yeah, it's and, it, and it's interesting when they do that because every so often you do get those films that are that are like that. Um, I haven't seen Whisper of the Heart. Um, oh, you haven't seen Whisper of the Heart? No, and I haven't. Oh man, it's great. I haven't seen My Neighbors the Yamadas either. I don't think I've seen that one. Um, but Porco Rosso. 
Oh, that's great. Flying pigs. Yeah. What is cooler than a flying pig? <laughs> exactly. And speaking of flying, the only <laughs> thing cooler than a flying pig is a sky pirate. And in this yeah. movie, we get sky pirates. What more can yeah. you want? What more can you want? And this is, it's kind of loosely based on Jonathan Swift and stuff, right? But it's, it's an original story, right? It wasn't based on a manga. Um, no, I don't think it was. Yeah. Because they often are. Nausicaa was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think this was an original. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's derived from Jonathan Swift's novels. Gulliver's Travels wherein Swift's Laputa is also a flying island controlled by its citizens. That's right. Love me some uh, some Jonathan Swift. More like Jonathan slay the fuck down. <laughs> Jonathan shit. <laughs> <laughs> we should actually talk about the awful adaptation of Gulliver's Travels with Jack Black. At some oh point. my God, I, I have not seen that. No. <laughs> that is rubbish. Um, but it's, it's goofy and really stupid, but not in a good way. Cool, okay. I'm down with that. Um, um, but yeah, so this is one of the early examples of what Hayao Miyazaki is great at doing. It's not just that it tells a great story um, and that the animation is beautiful and it's great to look at, but Miyazaki, I think, has this amazing talent for taking bits of sort of legends and folklore and stories that we all kind of know and wrapping them up in this this package of a great story, but doing it in a way that doesn't feel like he's just borrowing stuff or arbitrarily taking elements which is often what that kind of thing feels like i think he's just really good at finding the the things in old stories and folklore that are interesting and building upon them really well and this film i think does that perfectly yeah yeah for sure um it's it feels unique even though it's got those those elements um and, and it is only sort of like a loose adaptation really um which is exactly what you want um and and those kind of i don't know what what i really love about this film is the way that it kind of combines those um those magical elements of a little bit of sort of steampunk quality um alongside the the really unique feel of sort of like the society as a whole um it's a it's I, I, there's a complexity behind the scenes that you very rarely get in these kind of films where it feels like a living, breathing world, if you know yeah. what I mean, which which I think is, is so hard to do, but they, they managed to do it so well here. Yeah, especially when you finally get to Laputa and you, you start seeing the architecture of it, but also the, the things like the overgrown plants and the way that the, the natural world is overtaking the stone and all of that stuff, it comes across so well in such a subtle way. Yes, yeah, for sure, for sure. So... We both watched it on Netflix, I assume. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the English dub? Yeah, I find that I did. I I wasn't sure if actually it had the option to do to do both, but I'm a lazy English speaker who needs to check my privilege. But I know that <laughs> it's 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 the cool and purest thing to say that um, it's better to watch it with with the subtitles. But I actually quite like the dub because I. So this was one of the, after Spirited Away introduced me to Studio Ghibli, this was one of the next ones I saw and I watched it with the dub and I loved it so much that like I, I thought the dub was really cool and it was, it was part of the experience for me. And I knew it, it was um, James Vanderbeek and um, Mark Hamill and everyone and I was like, yeah, these are voices that I know doing a thing and, and that kind of made it cool to me and it was like, this is a cool thing. Yeah, I think I, I when it all depends on how I first watch it. And if I've watched something when I'm younger, which is dubbed, I find it very hard to go back and, um, and watch it in its, in its original form. The only one that's different there is, um, Akira actually, where I watch it both ways, depending on how I feel. Yeah. Um, where some, again, I saw it with the dub first. Yes. Yeah. And so did I, but, um, when I then got it on DVD X years later, um, I sort of watch it one or the other, depending on how I feel on the day and how much I want to concentrate. Um, cause reading is hard. Um, but, but, but at the very least, um, pretty much all of the Studio Ghibli movies I watch, um, with dub because that's how I first saw them. 
um and i've got a lot of nostalgia around them um like i i've tried watching things like um how's moving castle and spirited away um with uh sub- subtitles on but it doesn't feel the same i don't get that same it, you know yeah. it's still amazing but i don't get that same buzz of nostalgia that i had for when i first watched it and they got good people to to voice them all that's the thing they got billy crystal to be the voice of the magical fire yeah. what more could you want in his greatest role yeah um but- when harry met powell <laughs> Um, but but yeah, Castle in the it Sky. It answers the really... question that we all we all want to know, which is that can a man and a flame truly be friends, or will they always want to fuck each other? <laughs> you have a fuck with the fire in the pale moonlight. <laughs> um, yeah, so you got James Van Der Beek, the man with the biggest head. Dawson crying. Um, Anna, Anna Packin as well. Yeah, um, yeah, he's great. Um. And uh, and yeah, like you said, you've got uh, Mark Hamill too, who uh, always is great at voice acting. Um, like his his turn as the Joker is is brilliant. Uh, all of the times that he's played the Joker um, have been have been fantastic. So yeah. um, especially the Joker he plays in the new Star Wars films. Am I right? Oh, there's definitely some jokes about the new Star Wars films. <laughs> yeah. See, listen to episode. I think it's one one nine. If you want to hear about those, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he 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 did quite a lot of voice acting, and he's always um, he he's he always puts in a really good performance in as a voice actor. Yeah, it was very interesting. I was just reading about this. I didn't know. The Disney produced this on Wikipedia. The Disney produced English dub was recorded in 1998 and planned for release on video in 1999, but the release was cancelled after Princess Mononoke in 1997 did not fare as well in the US as Japan. So it seems like they were trying to break into the Western markets a lot, obviously, yeah, by Disney producing dubs and whatever for them. That was obviously always the intention, but it's interesting that it didn't really happen until Spirited Away in, mm. in that big mainstream way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you and you can kind of understand like Princess Mononoke is a very different movie if you're used to watching um, The Lion King or Aladdin. Yeah, um, should be called The Big Wolf King, and then it would have done fine. <laughs> the, the Big Wolf King in the movie with fuckloads of blood everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's uh... <laughs> The Big Wolf King, and they should have opened with a song. <laughs> I'm a wolf king And I'm fucking livid Wolfie king (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's Yeah, it's a very different movie, isn't it? So I can understand that it didn't necessarily fare well on on the first try And equally, Disney are a company of cowards So of course they wouldn't then give it another go for a few more years Release the butthole cut, cowards Yeah yeah, we'd never have a chance. It's definitely of, Disney's fault. We'd never have a chance of seeing the butthole cut if um, if it was under Disney. Yeah, um, for those of you who don't know, someone this probably isn't even true, but someone tweeted in response to a tweet something about Cats, the film that we reviewed back in episode. I can't even remember what number. Um, revealed that one of their friends worked as an animator on the film and had to remove like thousands of cgi buttholes that had been inserted deliberately into the film and then they decided to take them out i can't i mean as horny and disgusting as the film is i can't believe that they would have chosen to include the buttholes what do you think no it's definitely a lie yeah definite definite lie but it's a kind of lie that you want to believe yeah the best part of believe is the lie am i right exactly you know there's the it, it's like you know believing that you will win the lottery or that that society is fair yeah um, or that you know the government know what they're doing in these strange times yeah um it's that kind or of that life. matt hancock is equipped to be health secretary or has any qualifications <laughs> that aid him in that role yeah the the the, the butthole cut it, it falls into that territory yeah wasn't wasn't that like a, a punk a punk band the butthole cut yeah butthole cut oh no that was that was your band at university sorry yeah that was that was no that's what we did for the remix album it went under the name butthole cut 
butthole cut. Uh, and um, yeah, the butthole surfers, that is a real band. That is an actual band. That is. We correct. surely just called themselves that so that like teenagers would annoy the school principal by wearing a shirt that says butthole surfers on it. <laughs> I'm a surfer. Um, yeah. Um, there's some terrible band names. We've, we've discussed some of them already. Yep. On, on... Trapped. T-R-A-P-T. We've <laughs> been in the news of late. Yeah. Um, yeah, Trapped that I didn't even realise was still a thing. I didn't realise they had more than one song. No. Um, I, I didn't realise they had one song. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, where's, where's, where's Taproot? I want Taproot to get back in the back in the news taproot yeah why aren't they tweeting offensive shit about the coronavirus yeah, come on taproot <laughs> that's what we want from our new metal bands what's fred durst doing yeah come on fred get on it he, yeah yeah oh new new metal bands were the best give me stuff to break so taproot apparently this they haven't officially split up okay they they released a rarities collection uh, they're at the rarities touring. collection stage they've been touring and stuff like that their last cool. full album was in 2012 so i think we're due a comeback for sure and seeing as no one's touring anymore they should just get together and record a jam and send it out yeah get, Why not? get on it get, do some live streaming yeah that's what everyone's doing now that's what we should be doing i guess Give everyone the opportunity to see this podcast live in action. Yeah, we'll get get. We should do a Twitch stream or <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that's what the kids do now. Yeah, we go play some play some games and talk about movies. Yep, play some games and shout at the TV. Yeah, because gaming is the most important thing. Gaming is good. <laughs> gaming is going to save us during this isolation period. This is true. This um, is true. You know, if we didn't have hundreds of hours of video games, how would we ever cope doing something productive? Yeah. Reading, bettering ourselves, get out. Yeah. What, you know, books? I don't want to have to read a book. Jeez. As we've already established on this podcast, books are for nerds. Books are for geeks yeah. and squares. Yeah, yeah. And it's not hip to be square. That's a lie. Moby Dick, more like Moby. That's a thick book. <laughs> Moby thick. Well, T H I C C. Yeah, because <laughs> it's internet language. But that's true. That's true. Do you, do you feel as though the internet has kind of ruined our brains forever? Yes, of course. Um, but we can't come back from it. This is the no. Thing. You've We're just got to embrace it, yeah. don't you? It's like, yeah, exactly. Um, like every time I bring something to your attention, like horny on Maine, I do feel a little <laughs> bit sad because I'm like, I've just, <laughs> I've just, I've just it's extremely good. <laughs> I just added more useless information to Paddy's brain. Yeah, or the thing you sent me today of the guy singing words over the grandstand theme. <laughs> yeah. Genius! All day, as you go around and, and all day in my head was just throw a dart and crash your car. <laughs> <laughs> i'll put that in the show notes it's very it, good it's incredibly funny um yeah i've got i've got lots of books to read but i do wonder if i'm going to do it because i also have so many video games to play and and at the time being i've got lots of video games to review as well yeah yeah um, it's, you, it's a thing you do professionally so yeah, you yeah. can dedicate more time to that i guess which is not necessarily a bad thing it depends on what i'm playing well yeah have you done the the masturbating game I, I have not done the masturbating game <laughs> yet no. it's a very short amount of time it's a little bit of, of showing how the sausage is made here but it's a very short yeah. amount of time between our two episodes so we haven't had i haven't had the opportunity to review wanking simulator just yet <laughs> i wasn't um, gonna say the name i but... <laughs> i have i have another game to review first which i'm nearly done with um and then it is a racing game where you drive cars through mud or all-terrain vehicles through mud and up cliffs and things like that. And it sounds much more exciting than it actually is. Um, and is it more like Tough Mudder for Cars, yeah, the game? Yeah, Tough Mudder for Cars, you get stuck on rocks, the game. 
is what it is. Cool. Um, and then I've got that sounds like you. You know who likes that? Blokes. Yeah, blokes love it. And you know what else they love? What? Wanking. So wanking simulator <laughs> is going to be yeah. another very bloke heavy game. Uh, and then I've got a game where you ride motorbikes. So it's a very masculine set of games. Oh wow! Yeah, um, that I have to review at the moment. After after those, you're going to need some kind of feminine palate cleanser, aren't you? I definitely am. I do have Animal Crossing coming, which I know is not just oh, feminine, nice. um, but it's going to be quite nice to do something where I just, you know, make my house look nice and become friends with my animal neighbours. Yeah, you should you should play um, Cooking Mama or something like that. Cooking Mama, just... yeah. Um, and um, uh, an interesting game I'm playing at the moment, actually. And, and sorry for this massive tangent. Um, but every 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 so often when I have a little bit of extra time, I've been chipping away at this game called Greedfall, um, which came out last year and was kind of a sleeper hit. No one was really expecting it, but it's this kind of slightly slightly janky, uh, rough around the edges RPG with this very interesting setting. So it's set in sort of colonial period. Um, it's this made up these made-up nations and they found this mysterious island full of magical properties and uh they're sort of three colonies set up for these different um for the for these different nations and then there's the the natives of the island um and it's very interesting the way that it's framed and the 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 character designs are interesting and the plot is interesting and there's this whole conspiracy about how you might have actually originated from this island in the first place but the most fascinating thing about it is how they are trying to avoid the issue of colonialism. Right. Um, because all of the nations are multicultural in terms of ethnicity um, and and race is never really mentioned in terms of skin colour or heritage or that kind of thing. Um and and when you reach the island, the natives on the island again are multicultural. Uh, in terms of their ethnicity and things like that, uh, they speak in an accent which is not like any accent anywhere around uh, the world, um, and they wear this mixture of sort of it, it feels a bit Native American, it feels a bit uh, Celtic. It's again, it's very unique, uh, and so you think, right? They've clearly put a lot of effort into not making any kind of race allegories here. But by doing that and by trying to create this neutral position, actually, the story itself keeps dropping into colonial storytelling arcs where oh, it geez. feels very sort of King Solomon's minds at times. It feels very white savior at times. <laughs> but that's what you like. Of, which is fascinating. That's your favorite I, thing. I, I find those kind of stories very interesting from a, from a cultural history perspective. I mean, it's really fascinating seeing this story where they've clearly decided, right, we are not going to, no one can accuse our game of being racist here. We're going to do everything on our power to not make it racist. But then the storytelling still falls into these tropes of being like white savior noble savage dynamics the mysterious um natives of this island who know magic that connects them to nature that we don't know anything about and we can learn so much from them and that whole kind of thing is it's really interesting to see this naivety in that storytelling play into those kind of dynamics as a whole within our society um so it's a it's a fascinating game it's uh is it, it like when people say I don't see color? Yeah, you get that kind of feel where it's it, although uh, that that whole I don't see color thing I feel is more of a sort of passive aggressive. I think there's that passive racism there whereas they they've clearly tried to actively stop that but just through using storytelling arcs that are regularly used in video games there's still this colonial nature of sort of taming and understanding this wild land and these 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 native cultures that are different from our own um and i wonder as the story progresses whether it will do anything to to sort of circumvent that or undermine it or, or change that trope on its head but at the moment it's really going down that path of sort of you are the foreign savior of this land which i think is really interesting to see it appear in 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 works that are entirely foreign and made up it's it's interesting it's very interesting yeah well that sounds really interesting um, yeah, so I'll, I will keep you posted on how I get on with with it. But yeah, I recommend yeah, it for people do. who like slightly clunky 
video games that have big ideas, it's a good one. I don't play any games unless they're slightly clunky and have big ideas. How do you think I ended up such a big fan of Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> I mean, there, there, there is so much ideology and, and, and complexity behind gotta go fast. Yes. <laughs> He's the fastest thing alive. He is the fastest What could be more complex? Life. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of complexity behind Sonic. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully they'll release that onto Home Entertainment soon because it seems like there's a lot of things getting early release thanks to the coronavirus, which is not good for the cinema industry, but nice for us sitting at home. Yeah, it is It is worrying about what this means for the cinema industry as a whole. Um, and I, there, there's going to be a lot of cultural changes, I think, off the back of coronavirus. Um in terms of what industries make it through. One thing that I'm very worried about, and I'm sure you've had the same thought, is live music. God, um, yeah. Because so, sure. many, so many venues are... Small venues are yeah, on a knife edge, as it is. Yeah, yeah. You Difficult know. business, and many of them have shut over the last five to ten years anyway. The ones that are left, even, yeah, will struggle to recover from this. Yeah, I imagine that shame. we're going to see an awful lot more office blocks and flats appear in London in space yep. of these historic venues because they will not be able to remain open and i think we're going to see that across a lot of places you know um because these places... and what you hope is that there are going to be people who when everything goes back to normal people who are passionate and people will band together and sort of there'll be there might be you know some more of a diy ethos where it'd just be a case of finding any space where you can put live music on for cheap and getting people together to make it happen but it's going to be a lot harder to do that. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely going to be the case, particularly given that to do live music, you need a physical space to do so. Um, and the people with the most money are the ones that turn it into something incredibly boring, like flats or an office block. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there is that, 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 there's that power dynamic, that money dynamic, which is going to make it very, very hard for live music to bounce back from this. Um, so I think that's going to be a concern um and and other cultural spaces as well i think it's going to be a real concern um yeah so it's going to be all only like massive venues and stadium tours and even more dominance in the music industry of like massive artists doing massive tours and everything being poured into that versus you know smaller artists and even mid-level artists not being able to do much yeah it, it is a real worry um you know hopefully we'll be able to bounce back um but as a fan of music and someone who plays music i'm very concerned about that and i'm concerned about cinema as well so our our yeah, our, sure. our local independent place has closed its doors um and hopefully we'll be able to to reopen at some point but you know it is it is concerning um particularly now that that um studios are launching things early onto live streaming services yeah, um, even like massive things that do really well, like Uncut Gems was on Netflix a few weeks after it came into the cinemas. Yes, yeah, and and that's because it was a, a Netflix, um, a Netflix production. So they always right. intended okay. to get it on there as soon as possible, and they only really launched it elsewhere because they wanted it to have that kind of presence. Um, but things like um, you know all of these recent movies that are suddenly coming to to streaming services soon. Yes, it. It, it's it's good for the end consumer in terms of um you know reaching them quickly um like marriage story <laughs> well Ma marriage story again i'm very glad one, that we watched that marriage story again is one of those as one of those netflix originals where they obviously wanted to promote it on their platform but i'm thinking more about the movies that have come out recently like very very recently that are already being scheduled for release on on streaming services or to buy online digitally um, rather than going to the cinema, because what's going to happen is if the big studios realize that this model is viable and makes them lots of money, um, are they going to even bother doing proper releases? Are they going to put even further restrictions on, you know, like Disney is notorious for putting a lot of restrictions on, on cinemas that buy their movies. Um, woe to any small cinema that took on Dr. Doolittle, for instance, because they had, they, they had a, a, a ridiculous number of screenings that they had to give that piece of shit. Um, yep. As part of their in which apparently Robert Downey Jr. does a Welsh accent. Oh, really? Did it include the yeah. scene from the original movie where he's like singing a love song to a seal that he then throws off a cliff? No, you're thinking of Andre. <laughs> I'm not thinking of. <laughs> have, you, have you seen the original Doctor <laughs> Do Little, like the the fifties one? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, where there's that amazing scene where he's... Not for a long time. It, there's that amazing scene where he's singing this love song to a seal that he then throws off a cliff. It's incredible. <laughs> that sounds brutal. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, like... But that was why Andre the Hip 90s seal had to come back and get revenge. That That is the plot, is him going after this very old Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, um, and then pushing him off a cliff. Pushing him off a cliff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I do worry about cinemas, and I worry about smaller, um, smaller development studios as well, who don't necessarily have the clout to to live through this. Um, it is concerning. It's a concerning time for for the arts in general, um, and I is, think there's yeah. going to be a permanent knock on effect of that um outside of outside of other industries so um, what we'll end up with is basically just everything being instagram and tiktok influencers yeah just so whoever ends up being the studio ghibli of that that's who we'll be talking about in probably one to two years time on this podcast then the most beautiful seven second video you've ever seen in your life yeah it's like uh, by turns moving environmentally friendly and beautifully soundtracked by joe hisaishi Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, the music in um, Cast of the Sky, my God, it's amazing. I love it so much. I listen to it all the time. It's really one of my go-to instrumental music albums. Uh, it's like I often listen to it while I'm working or just generally when I kind of need that that moment. And there's loads of amazing stuff of Joe Hisaishi's on Spotify where he's done s- soundtracks for other films, Japanese stuff and collaborations with people. Uh, there's a whole bunch out there and he's amazing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, the the music in in this film is incredible. And again, that's an area where Studio Ghibli is um, it, it, it's another area where they're iconic. Really, is is in those in those music scores. Um, and yeah, and he he's done most of their films, yes, but not all yeah, of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them he has done, hasn't he? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. It's and he also did the music for um, Nino Cooney, Wrath of the White Witch. Oh, okay, that's cool. Um, which is basically a playable Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Um, I've kind of I've been meant meant to play it forever and never got around to it. Yeah, same here. It's um, it's supposed to be good, but at the same time, it's blatantly very very long. Uh, <laughs> it'd probably oh, take up a lot of Imagine your time. That. Yeah, <laughs> I'd never have time for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is why I like Studio Ghibli films as well. They're always the perfect length as well. Disney films, you know, they always average about eighty minutes, and then Studio Ghibli they're always a bit longer, so moving pushing closer to the two hour mark. But they always feel the right length. So this this is two hours long, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think this is a, yeah relatively long, but it didn't feel like it at all. No, no, I think because all... it has quite it has a, a real a real adventure pace, doesn't it? It's like you sort of like there's a. Here's a, a bit of bonding between the two characters, and then there's another threat, and then there's another threat, and then there's another threat, and then they're bonding, and then everything's fun, and we're having some fun, and then there's another threat, and then there's another threat, and then suddenly it's over. But but it works. Yeah, that's right. They um, it, the pace is impeccable. Um, in terms of breaking it up with those scenes of character development, um, and then going back to the action, and and this is quite a action heavy movie um there's some horrible stuff the scene where all of the soldiers fall to their deaths is is brutal um particularly when you compare it to some of the earlier scenes like when they're having the 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 punching match in the village is is hilarious um but then yeah you do get those moments where like the the robots come out and they're they're you know forcing people to to off the side of 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 the of, 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 of the castle um and all of that stuff is just quite horrific, really. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. But it, it's not done in a um, in a horrific way, is it? It's actually sort of matter of fact that just the floor opens and the men all fall to their deaths with a bit of screaming. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine because Patsu's hanging on. James Vanderbeek is hanging on that vine forever. Yeah, exactly. He's just he's just hanging on, being like, "Oh, glad I wasn't there." Yeah. Oh, Mandy Patinkin did the voice of Louis. Uh, I hadn't picked up on that one. I'm just looking at the list of voice actors. He's got an excellent face, doesn't he? Mandy Patinkin. He was what? He has an excellent face, doesn't he? He really does, yeah. 
Also, you killed his father, so prepare to die. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which is another movie we should talk about at some point. Yes, we should, actually. That's a very good point. Also a good kind of family film for these times. Yes, yeah. It's got everything. So, do you have anything else you'd like to, to talk about, um, about? I want to say that I love a good trumpet in the morning. <laughs> of course you do. Um, whenever I watch that scene, I'm always thinking, who the fuck's playing the guitar? He's there with his trumpet. Is <laughs> yeah. so someone like next door with a guitar? Because you don't see it. It's going to pop can, up. You can yeah. hear it, but who's playing that? Who's playing that guitar? Yeah, it's a nice little bit of music. It is. It is. It's a, it's a cool little tune. And it actually it gets across well the sort of pastoral nature of it, and of a lot of Studio Ghibli stuff. That kind of that love for the natural world and the the sort of natural rustic way of life that comes across in a lot of Studio Ghibli films that is here. And the whole point of this film is that that it's disturbed by this legend and this greed and this sort of capitalist military industrial complex power. Um, and it gets that rusticness across really, really well. And yeah, it's just great. Yes, for sure. And you're right that that's a theme that comes up an awful lot in, um, in Studio Ghibli movies. And it, th- this is one of those films that really encapsulates it perfectly, isn't it? Yeah. But it also has fart jokes. Yeah. Like all good films. This is one of the more goofy Studio Ghibli films, actually, because a lot of them are a little bit serious. Like Spirited Away and Mononoke, there's actually not much humour in them. Or if what humour there is in them is is subtle and is hidden and is sort of behind the scenes and beneath the surface, really, isn't it? Yeah, so I think Spirited Away's got quite a lot of humour in it. Um, even, even... I mean, what's funnier than A Man With No Face? Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, but but even those scenes where where the no face man is eating people, it's still kind of done in a funny way because I don't know there's there's something humorous about the grotesque nature of it. Um, but you're right about definitely right about Princess Mononoke, um, where that is you know not and and it, and it's not meant to be you know there's a very different tone there. Um, but but again that shows the versatility of Studio Ghibli overall that they can tell all of these different stories in a way that no other animation studio has been able to do. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's goofy and it's fun and it's beautiful and I love it. I think even if, you, if you've if you never watched a Studio Ghibli film, I think this actually isn't a bad entry point either because it might give you that, give you a way in as a sort of adventure, yeah, adventurous, fun animated film that's great for all the family and then you can move on to some of the heavier stuff. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, it's one of those good entry points. I'd say, you know, this uh, Spirited Way, House Moving Castle, um, Kiki's Delivery Service as well as another one, or, or Ponyo, all of them kind of have the same strange quality alongside a more understandable storytelling structure. Um, yeah. Whereas then when you get into some of the other movies... Um, you know, I don't think you want people to start with Grave of the Fireflies, which you... No, no, do, do not start with Grave of the Fireflies. But, yeah. but also, if if you're one of those people who thinks that anime is just for nerds, then try this, because it's not like regular anime. Anime is just for nerds. <laughs> yeah, that's true, obviously. <laughs> but this is like nice films that are packaged up in a way that we as Westerners can understand, rather than 8,000 episodes of a TV show in which people shout and jump and cut each other <laughs> that's exactly what anime is that's dragon ball z i don't think there's very much cutting people in dragon ball z it's punching people punching people sorry uh, i have a confession by the way what's that I fucking love dragon ball man it's so it's great good. i haven't watched it since i was in my teens but i did go through a phase like i love i i think the the original dragon ball as well before it all turns into aliens kicking the shit out of one another where it's the adventure story uh kind of kind of based on journey to the west i love that whole early arc to it as well um it's uh yeah dragon ball is good if you disagree then you're wrong dragon ball is amazing get out get get out if you don't like dragon ball this is a dragon ball friendly podcast yeah we're ball friendly (laughs) definitely but yeah i i i'm just really really grateful that studio ghibli opened up to 
the UK market and the American market in that way as well. And I think I'm just glad that it exists and that we have access to it. And it's not this kind of far off thing that is kind of cult that we're culturally barred from. I'm really glad that the dubs do exist and that they're good and that it's accessible and that it's on Netflix now because hopefully a whole new generation of teens are going to find this stuff because I feel like as well with Studio Ghibli <clears throat> the DVD sales were really really popular I used to have them all I think well not not all of them but the majority of them all the ones that I'd seen and that I liked or the ones that I thought looked good I had them all um and I was really I used to treat them really well and I was really really proud of them and actually I think we got rid of them only quite recently when we moved house because we just realized that you know we're never going to need DVDs anymore um and we'd be able to get hold of them digitally somehow but um, the the sales of DVDs, I think, were a really big deal for people around our age who, when we got to the age that we could be collecting DVDs, they made them really collectible and accessible and nice packages and stuff. So hopefully them coming onto Netflix now will do that for a new generation. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's the same level of discovery that we had where it was suddenly this new thing. I think... I think no. Studio Ghibli's much going more to apart, and they'd be in there. Yeah, I think I think nowadays Studio Ghibli's much Facing more part of cultural consciousness than it was when we were younger, where it was kind of first becoming a thing. Um, so I think there's there, there's certainly more of an awareness, but the fact that they're now accessible via Netflix, I think, is going to make it a lot easier for people to watch them. Yeah, I'm thinking of kids who are like, you know, fourteen, fifteen, the TikTok generation. That you know, maybe they're not even on netflix maybe even netflix is too uncool for them you know what i mean but where like and it, the kind of dvd stuff has passed them by and that kind of thing they'll know studio ghibli though studio ghibli's become a a major name in 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 the industry since we were younger i hope um, so they, they'll, they'll know what studio ghibli is but that by having it on netflix then it's going to make it easier for people to actually watch it yeah um which which i think is really important yeah so it's it's a it's a wonderful thing and just the kind of thing that we need in these uh, these trying times. Yes, for sure. So, yeah, how are we going to rate this this beautiful steampunk adventure? Uh, how many soldiers fall to their deaths when <laughs> your floor opens up? When you open the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I will give this a 17, I think. It's one of one of my all-time faves, but maybe not the like pinnacle but it's like it's yeah it's one of the best and yeah, it's great fun yeah and i'll go 15 again it's a really good film it's not uh it's it's not one of my favorites but it is great and there's it's magical and there's sky pirates and sky pirates are cool and it is a, a, essentially a love story yeah it is it, it's a it's it's it there's enough love in it there's enough love in it yeah um so yeah it, it's good go watch it yeah do do go watch it yeah and i think the reason i've given it that higher score again is that i could return to it anytime i've seen it a, quite a few times and every time i watch it it's still good and even though i watched it last week i could watch it again right now and i'd still love it yeah it's it's a great movie and they're, they're, it's, it's very rewatchable yeah it's great but what are we? Uh, what are we watching next? So we're watching an even greater movie next. Um, one of the all-time most fantastic films ever made. Um, you'll laugh. You'll cry. Uh, it'll you'll change shout. your life. <laughs> you'll shout. Uh, we're going to be watching Taffin. <laughs> I cannot wait. I'm. I haven't watched I'm this movie excited. in ages. I'm really. Excited yeah, it's been years it. since I last saw this. Um, the Pierce Brosnan classic. Yeah. A great film, fully meme worthy. We're gonna be cracking into it. Yep, like an egg. Yeah, like a beautiful egg. We're gonna crack the egg of Taffin. Exactly, exactly. Look forward to that. <laughs> All right. In that case, I think we're done, aren't we? Yes. Yep. All right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks to Paul Stark for pushing us to do some studio ghibli appreciate it and um if there's anything that you want us to watch let us know get in touch on twitter at big boys don't pod or on the emails big boys don't cry podcast at gmail.com love to hear from you love to get your recommendations yeah we always like doing movies that other people have suggested so yeah if you do have any just get in touch yeah 
um, or just get in touch to tell us about anything. Yeah, what what do you think of, of Studio Ghibli films? Yeah, if the answer is anything but they're beautiful and amazing, we'll block you. <laughs> What's your favourite? Yeah, tell us what your favourite ones are. We'd love to hear that. Do you like Porco Rosso? Yeah, you like Porco Rosso. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be back next week to talk about Taffin. Alrighty, bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. You shouldn't be living here.